From the Parents Club, I'm Carson Kolnicki. This is your briefing. Today, we're discussing peaceful parenting from episode 52 of the Knowledge Project podcast. In this episode, parenting expert and multi-bestselling author, Dr. Laura Markham, breaks down the three keys to successful parenting, how to properly model emotions and conflict resolution, and the coveted recipe for raising happy, resilient kids. Vincent Fanvan on key takeaways and what you need to know. Vincent, the episode opens up with Dr. Markham talking about self-regulation. How does this play a role in parenting? It plays a big role in parenting because parents should be the guidance and the role models for their children. As babies, most of their brain development hasn't occurred yet, and their brains don't fully develop until when they turn 20 years old. Most of the interactions that newborn babies have are with their parents, and so we are the only examples of how to behave. Dr. Markham talks in this episode about as kids, they become more aware of the world, they learn how to behave based on their parents' actions. And so if we're the kind of person that can take notice when we get upset or when we get angry, if we're able to calm ourselves down, your children actually learn from that in terms of how to calm themselves down as well. And so when a two-year-old gets angry and they yell at us or they're being defiant, it ends up bringing up a lot of the anxiety for ourselves that we had at their age. If we had done that at their age, Dr. Markham says that many of us would have been smacked. But this ends up bringing up unconscious memories from our own childhood, which is why parents oftentimes get so angry and so frustrated when their child is throwing a tantrum. So since she says that a lot of parenting has to do with setting a good example, how does this apply and how should parents respond when they're reacting to their child's behavior? Well, the first thing that Dr. Markham says to do is to stop to acknowledge that no one's perfect. Everybody's learning and everybody's growing. And if you lose your temper repeatedly, you can take a moment to just notice how you're feeling. All of us are just trying to be the best parents that we can possibly be. And so that first step is just stop to acknowledge that nobody's perfect. We're trying really hard. When we identify those feelings, number two is it helps to understand those feelings and those emotions that may come. And so when your child is yelling, this allows you to stop, to notice how your body is feeling, to name that feeling of how you are feeling, take a deep breath, and to make a choice about how to proceed. Dr. Markham says that this is one of the big differences between the child and you as an adult, where you do have a fully formed brain, and so you're able to make that choice about how to react. There's research that shows that when adults label what they're feeling, whether that's angry, whether that's frustrated, whether that's scared, it gives them more control over their own feelings, and it gives them the ability to notice the feeling but not act on it. And I'm sure that also helps it be easier to relate to their children by stating that you might feel the same way. You might both feel angry. So how does this apply and how does this help in connecting with your children? Well, Dr. Markham points out that research shows that babies as young as 14 months have fully formed opinions about adults in their lives and whether or not that adult is trustworthy. And as they get older, their relationships are built on these working models that they establish when they're younger. And as they get older, these relationships are built on these working models that they establish when they're younger. 
They might know that one parent is tougher when they're angry, but the other parent handles anger better. Children model their own behavior after how their parents act. And so when children develop their values early in life, it's based on the decisions that parents make as parents. So for example, as a parent, if you tell your child to lie about their age when you go to a theme park so that they can ride on the fun rides, these decisions actually shape the values and your children will carry them through with the rest of their lives. It's natural for children also to have a preference for who they go to when they need to be comforted. Dr. Markham says that this oftentimes starts with a preference for mom, but it tends to shift to become more neutral as the child gets older. The last thing that Dr. Markham says is that kids need the same thing. There's four things that every single child needs. Number one, that they're acceptable that they're accepted how they are now with all of their inconvenient feelings and big emotions that they're trying to learn how to handle. Number two, that no matter what, their parents will be there to love them, to take care of them, to provide food and shelter and emotional support. Number three, that this love is unconditional and that the child feels valued for who they are. And number four, they need to feel like they can learn something that they want to do whether that's reading, whether that's riding a bike. The truth is that young children want responsibility and they want to feel like they can contribute to the world. So you mentioned parents being a good example and how important it is to realize your kids' needs and connect with them. So does Dr. Markham talk about how to build that resilience in kids so that they can eventually be more independent? Yeah. One thing that Dr. Markham points out in this episode is that a recipe for happiness is actually helping a child give up what they want in the short term at that moment to help them get something that they actually want long term. So for example, you may have a child who after dinner, they just want to run off and play with friends right away. They might not want to do the dishes, but what they really truly want might be to be a good kid that contributes to the family and helps the family. And when they contribute, it helps them build resilience. So in that scenario, if you help the child do something that they might not want to do at that moment, it could actually help them get what they actually want. Yeah, and that really shows, that's a really good example of how to teach your children those values in taking responsibilities and then also having time to do other things like play with their friends. So kind of going back to that idea of being a role model, how do you provide this guidance without sounding like you're attacking them or being a harsh parent? Well, when a child doesn't want to do something, it's common for parents to use rewards and punishments. And this, Dr. Markham says, ends up treating your child as an object, an object to be manipulated. And that's not really a great outcome. I don't think any of us want to feel that way. Exactly. And so instead, what Dr. Markham recommends is that it's better to coach instead of to punish. And so when you coach instead of punish, there's a few things that you do differently. First is you set up the environment. What that means is if you don't want your child to grab your earrings, then don't wear earrings. If you don't want your child to knock over a vase of flowers, maybe move it to a table or somewhere where they can't reach it. Smart. Next is using emotional coaching to help children learn skills. 
This could involve explaining to your child why something is wrong. When they realize the why or the why not behind their actions, it actually helps them practice self-discipline. So for instance, you can teach them to ask their brother or a sibling, may I please have a turn? This teaches them how to communicate. The last thing that Dr. Markham points out is that rewards and punishments are really not effective because it doesn't teach the child how to handle emotions. It doesn't teach them how to communicate better. So what are some ways that we can teach children to become more emotionally intelligent? Well, a lot of this research comes from John Gottman's research. It's called Raising an Emotionally Intelligent Child. And it teaches parents emotional coaching by saying things like, you look frustrated. Let's take a deep breath and we can try again. Or the dog's bark is scary. I'm right here. You're safe. I'm right here. Or you could say something like, gosh, no wonder why you're angry. When she said that, it really hurt your feelings. When you use these statements, it helps your child to be able to do the same thing that as parents we want to be able to do, which is to name the feeling and then choose how to react to it. And so the choosing how to react to it, you can help your child do this by saying something like, I wonder what you'll say when you see her tomorrow. So when you put that together, it could sound something like, I wonder why you're angry. When she said that, it really hurt your feelings. When you see your friend at school tomorrow, I wonder what you'll say when you'll see her. And what it does is it allows your child to be able to consider different options. And so one thing that you'll notice there is that the solution is not given. You're not telling your child what to say to their friend when they see them tomorrow. And so it's coaching. It's not lecturing. Mm -hmm. You're not necessarily giving the answer, but rather you're guiding the child towards healthier options. Wow, that seems like a really significant change from what we knew about parenting beforehand. So these are great examples of what you should say. Are there any examples of what you should avoid in these situations? Yeah, you want to avoid a few things. Number one is shaming them. So shaming them would be something like, how could you say that? You know how much I do for you. The truth of the matter is, is that children are handling a lot of big feelings, a lot of emotions, and they just don't need the guilt trip of making them feel like they're being a bad child because they're not trying to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's too much of a burden to put that on young children. Yeah. The second is denying their outburst. Denying the outburst could be something like you're at a park, there's a big dog, your child's scared. And if you say something like, oh, it's just a dog, it's not scary, you're okay, you're okay, don't worry about it, it's just, it's not scary. What that does is it tells them that the feelings that they're feeling are not right. It invalidates their feelings instead of reinforcing that it's okay to have feelings. Good point. And lastly, you don't want to punish them. So you don't want to say something like, you can't talk to me that way. You know what? It's going to be a time for a timeout. Go to your room. All three of these examples, shaming them, denying their outburst, and punishing them, they don't contribute towards showing your children what good emotional intelligence looks like. So in this transition, I know it might be a little difficult for parents to make this switch right away, just because in the moment of an outburst, there's so much going on that you might not be able to remember these things on the spot. So what are some things that parents can remember during outbursts to make this transition? So the first step is to just pause and take a deep breath. 
The second is remind yourself that nothing's urgent, whether it's a scenario of leaving the park and your child gets upset or you're at the grocery store and there's something that they want that they can't have. None of that is like life threatening. And so just taking a deep breath, reminding yourself that nothing at that moment is urgent and then reminding yourself the feelings that your child is experiencing is normal and temporary. Lastly, you want to remind yourself that children are allowed to have feelings. They should have feelings. That's perfectly normal. And that you can be curious and you can be a guide and you can be a coach without necessarily jumping in with a solution. And so you might respond with something like, maybe your child's friend took a toy away from them. You could say something like, wow, you sound so angry at her. I guess it must have really hurt your feelings when your friend said that. Yeah, that's a really good point as well. So going back one more time to that original idea that Dr. Markham suggests about being a role model. So how does the impact of your relationship problems as a parent impact your children? Well, the research shows that when voices are raised, a child's blood pressure will actually go up. And Dr. Markham points out that this even happens with babies, even when they're asleep. Long-term conflict between parents will also increase a child's anxiety level. So when you work out your conflict with your partner in front of your child in a peaceful manner, this is one of the best ways to actually show your children how a conflict can be handled in a healthy way. That makes a lot of sense. So lastly, to kind of wrap up, going back to children being more independent and gaining that responsibility, are there other ways that parents can help their children become more responsible? Yeah, many toddlers want to become more independent. As a parent, you really don't have to be told that. But the point is, is that children want to gain more responsibility. And so parents can develop systems by working together so that over time, that children learn and come to accept the responsibility as their own. For instance, if you have a child who's going back to school in kindergarten, you might pack their backpack with them on the first day. Over the course of a week, they might learn every day what they need to be able to bring. And after a week, they might even be able to pack their backpack themselves. If they forget something, like their lunch, maybe you do leave work and you accommodate them by bringing them food to eat. However, you should let them know that it was an exception and that you're not going to do it again. So Dr. Markham says that over time, you could work together to come up with solutions that help your child remember what they need to bring to school. Maybe that's by putting together a checklist that sits with the backpack, or maybe it's a chart that hangs on the wall where you can check off each item as you're packing it into a backpack. Mm -hmm. This is a way for children to be able to gain more responsibility and build independence without parents having to do everything step-by-step step with them all the time. Yeah, those are all really good examples. So it sounds like the key takeaway from this episode is that regulating your own emotions might have the biggest impact on who your child turns out to be. Connecting with your kids allows you to focus on your relationship with them, and a parent's role is to be a coach instead of merely resorting to punishments. And that's it for your briefing. I'm Carson Kolnicki. And I'm Vincent Fanban. We'll see you again next time. 